this morning, I've, I've entitled the message Reckless Grace. And reckless is spelled W-R-E-C-K-L-E-S-S. Because God's grace is so amazing that if we really understood it, we would never be wrecked by anything. God's grace is so amazing that it is something that can literally transform our lives and literally completely set us free. And I think so many of us walk around believing all kinds of lies about God. And so I, I have been praying for you that, that the Holy Spirit would speak a new word to you and speak something encouraging to you um, as we learn about God's reckless grace. So if you would turn with me, <clears throat> excuse me, to Luke chapter 15. Um, Jesus is talking here to tax collectors and sinners. Now, we, all, we understand tax collectors. We understand what that means. It's, it's the IRS. And so we understand <laughs> why um, they weren't very well liked. Um, but the sinners, I learned this week, sinner was actually a class of people it wasn't just like a, a label. This was actually, these people, this is what they were known for, is that they were sinners. How would you like to have that as your label? You sinners. Anyway, Jesus is talking to those guys, and he's talking about the parable of the lost coin, where this poor woman lost a coin, and she was frantic, and she called all her friends, and she found it, and then she was ecstatic, and then there's a story about the parable of the lost sheep. And this is the one about... Um, where the shepherd loses one sheep, just one out of a hundred. Now, as a pastor, I'm thinking, if I had 99% of the people actually show up at one time, I'd be like, wow, that was epic. But this guy, this shepherd is like, nope, that is not good enough. I'm going to go after the one that's lost. And this talks about the extravagance the extravagant grace of our God. So Luke chapter 15, we're actually going to start with the third parable. The distinction in this parable is that with the first two, someone was looking for someone else. In this parable, the father does not go after the son. You'll notice this. This is a distinction in these three. So <clears throat> Jesus says, this is uh, Luke 15, 11. Jesus told him this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. Now to us in our culture, that's like huh, kind of a little bit entitled, a little bit rude, but it doesn't have the same cultural significance as it would have back then. Back then, essentially what this is saying is, you know what? I wish you were dead. This was like, the ultimate insult to his father. He says, I want, your, I want my share of your estate before you die. So the father agreed. And now I want you to hear this part. He agreed to divide his wealth between the sons. Okay, remember there's two sons. There's the one who demands his share of the wealth. Then there's the other one. He also gets some of it, okay? Verse 13, a few days later, the younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. 
Um, the King James calls it riotous living. Um, some versions call it reckless living. It, it just means to be recklessly extravagant. It means to just like squander everything. So he gets this inheritance. He probably got it in the form of land and of animals. He probably got some crops and some livestock. Basically what he did was he liquidated all of his assets and went and just blew it on wild living, riotous living. What this is a symbol of for us is that all of us, Every one of us has, in some way, shape, or form, demanded our rights and squandered it. Because we have this God who loves us so much, and yet we decide to take off and do our own thing. And that's basically what this is saying. And what the Bible calls that is doing things apart from God or things against God. The definition for that is sin. In Romans 3, it says, as the scriptures say, no one is righteous, not even one. And then in verse 23, it says, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Now get this, verse 24, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. So 100% of us in this room and listening online, 100% of us are what are called sinners. Because every single one of us, as it says in this verse, we have all sinned. Every one of us has fallen short of God's glory. If you doubt whether or not you sinned, let's just do a little poll. (laughs) There's, <laughs> it's unanimous. <laughs> There's what's called the Ten Commandments. You've heard of that. The Ten Commandments say the, the first one is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So pretty much all of us have failed on that one. Right away, fail the test. I mean, unless there's somebody in here that can tell me that they've loved the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength in all ways. Probably not. The second one is don't have any or it says, and love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, so then it goes on. It says, don't have any idols. That means like your stuff, like your car, or maybe your house, or maybe your wardrobe, or anything that you spend a lot of time really focusing on, material possessions maybe. Um, It says you shouldn't curse. Anybody ever cursed? Anybody curse on the way to church? Don't lie. Anybody curse in the building? because we have a security team that wants to come and have you removed. I, I might have even cursed this morning. But um, okay, so also you're not supposed to lie, right? Anybody ever lied? Anybody that has their hand down? You're all liars. <laughs> okay, you're not supposed to lust after someone else's stuff, including their spouse or their husband or wife or whatever. Anybody? No, don't do that. Um, You're not supposed to do any of this stuff. And if you've ever done even one of these things, the Bible says that you have sinned. You've fallen short of God's perfection. So that's the bad news. But the good news is it says, yet God in his grace, he freely, yet the word freely makes us right in his sight, which is the good news. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us. I want you to get that term in your mind. He freed us from the penalty of sin. 
He paid the price for us. And this is why we can come to our senses. Like it says here, moving on in verse 15, Luke, Luke 15, verse 14, I'm sorry. About the time that this guy's money ran out, a great famine swept over the land. Isn't that just typical? Right about the time that your money runs out, there's a famine. And that's what happened to this guy. And it says, and he began to starve. What this is symbolic of is of, of us, of all of us. I think it's so easy for us when we read the Bible we read it as though we were the good guys in the story. When really I think it's a better idea, probably safer for us to read it as though we were not the good guys in the story. It's probably more realistic. So when we read this, we read this like, oh, that prodigal son. That's what this parable is called, the parable of the prodigal son. Prodigal isn't even in the, term, in the text. But we all know what prodigal means, right? It means a runaway, basically. This guy's a runaway. And he began to starve. He went to all the wrong sources. And this is what we do, too, when we run to things other than running to the things of the Lord. And when I say that, I'm talking about running to anything we think will fulfill us besides the spirit of the living, breathing God. Any other road boom, is going to be a dead end. And I can promise you, I've tried most of them, and I, I guarantee they all come to an end, and they do not satisfy. It's like eating junk food. You know, you eat it, and it tastes so good going in, and then you feel so sick, and you have so much regret, especially probably the next day. <laughs> Anybody? No? <laughs> this is what it, this is talking about a spiritual form of doing this, running away, being a runaway from God and coming to the things of the world that are so, they promise us so much joy and they promise us fulfillment. And we think, oh, this relationship, this is going to fulfill me. And then you get, you realize that that person's just another imperfect person just like you. And so then that doesn't satisfy you. And then you think, well, you know, I feel so empty. Maybe, maybe I should just drink. And so you start drinking, and then pretty soon you you realize you can't go without drinking. Or, or you you get tempted by porn, and then you start looking at porn, and then you realize you just keep falling further and further into the addiction, and you can't set yourself free. All of these things cause a spiritual starvation in us, a spiritual anorexia. We can't. We can't understand the things of the Lord. We can't understand spiritual things because we're running to the things that cannot satisfy us. And that's basically what's happening to him. So he began to starve. In verse 15, it says, then he persuaded a local farmer to hire him. And the man sent him into the fields, now get this, to feed the pigs. I mean, that sounds like an honest day's work, right? Unless you're a little Jewish boy, then you realize, oh my goodness, the pigs were considered unclean animals. Jewish people weren't supposed to come anywhere near pigs much. I mean, they couldn't eat bacon, they couldn't eat ham, they couldn't, they couldn't even come near to pigs. And here he is assigned to, to go out to the field and to feed these pigs. And it says, the young man became so hungry, remember he's starving, he became so hungry, 
Even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. Ugh, he's eating pig food. It says, but no one gave him anything. And isn't that the spirit of our, our age? No one gave him anything. And it says in verse 17, when he finally came to his senses. I want to just offer this as, as the verse to cling to. If you're a parent or a spouse or um, somebody who has lost someone who's walked away from the Lord or who is not serving the Lord, I love this verse. And when he came to his senses, some, some translations say, when he came to the end of himself. And sometimes that's what it takes, isn't it? It takes us absolutely just coming to the end of ourselves. But this is the good news. It says, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am, dying of hunger. I know what I'm going to do. I am going to go home to my father, and I'm going to say, Father, this is this whole plot he has. Father, I've sinned against heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But maybe you could hire me. I mean, I, I can come and work for you. I don't expect anything. I don't, you know, I already know I squandered the whole inheritance, but maybe I could just come and, and be a hired hand for you. I could just work as a hired servant. And isn't that what we do too with the Lord? Here we are, we're in our pigsty, whatever your pigsty is. I mean, I know I have my pigsties. That those things we run to that are not satisfying, those things that are not eternal, the things that are not of the Lord, whether it's porn or whether it's greed or whether it's relationships or even overworking or materialism or whatever it is, we're in that pigsty. We're starving to death, but we can come to our senses and say, you know what? I am not fulfilled right now. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to go back to church. And then I can work and work and work, and maybe I can give some money. And then, and then maybe, if I'm really, really lucky, maybe God will accept me back then. Isn't that what we think? Because isn't that who we are? We'd be like, you know, hey, if my kid runs away and goes and squanders his whole inheritance and goes and lives with prostitutes and drug addicts and pigs, I'm going to make them pay, right? You guys are all judging me, but you know you would be the same way. <laughs> You'd be like, well, we'll see. I'll see if you've really changed, right? We withhold. We think, you know what, if somebody sins against me, I'm going to withhold from them until they can prove to me they've really changed. This is how we are. Or maybe it's just me, but I think you guys are too. We actually believe that there's something that we need to do to earn God's love. Right? He knows what you did. He knows where you were Friday night. He knows what you were doing. Or last month, remember? He knows. He was there. He sees everything. And yet, he's saying, come on back. This is what's so cool. But here we think, 
you know what, I don't deserve anything from God. I don't, I don't deserve any of the blessings of God. I just, I just want to get to heaven. I just want to, I just want to be okay. I just don't want to feel the shame anymore. I don't want to feel this guilt anymore. But this is what, what Jesus says in John 6, 29. Jesus says the only work that God wants you to do is to believe in the one that he has sent. The only work, I know this messes with you religious people, with you legalistic people, you're like, that's not really it. Well, I mean, faith without works is dead, you know, right? Isn't that what we say? No, you need to demonstrate your faith. You will demonstrate your faith. If you truly believe that Jesus Christ is who he says he is, if you really believe he's the creator of the heavens and the earth, that he is God almighty, if you believe that he went to the cross and paid the penalty for your sins, you will want to live a life that honors him and that, and that gives him glory. It's not something you're going to have to do. It's going to be something that you're, that's going to come from within you, just like Noah was saying. John 6, uh, 47 says, I tell you the truth. Now, this is Jesus talking. Anyone who believes in me has eternal life. So let me ask you this. If you were to die tonight, would you go to heaven? And why? You know, most people, if you ask them that, studies have shown that it's over 80-some percent of all Americans believe in the afterlife, and they believe that they are going to go to heaven. And do you know why they think they're going to go to heaven? Because they're good people. I knew one guy who used to say, I know him, because I, I was trying to share the Lord with him, and I'm, I'm like, so do, are you sure? Do you know that you have eternal life? Do you know that you're going to go to heaven? And he goes, of course I am. And I'm like, really? Because I knew his life. And I was like, really? How do you know that? And he goes, because I'm an American. <laughs> hmm. Oh, say can you. Anyone who believes has eternal life. This is what Jesus is expecting. He's just saying, I want you to believe in me. It says in Hebrews 6 that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So you must believe that he exists and that he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's what the Bible says. This is all he's asking. He's not asking you to go to Africa or to Southeast Asia or Alaska. I mean, Alaska wouldn't be bad, I guess, except this time of the year. But he is asking you to believe. That is what the Lord is asking. Just believe. And then you will, you will find your fulfillment. You will find your satisfaction in me if I truly become the Lord of your life. Not just this thing you kind of add on Sunday mornings or every once in a while, but if you completely and fully just surrender and believe that he is God and you become a child of God, an actual child of God, that is where you will find your fulfillment and you will find unfailing mercy. God's mercy never fails. Mercy just means you don't get what you deserve. Now, what did this runaway kid deserve? What did he deserve? When he came back to his dad, did he deserve to, to even be hired back? I mean, if you looked at this kid's resume, <laughs> would you hire him? No, 
I wouldn't hire him. I'd be like, uh, sorry, you bailed on me once. You guys probably think I'm really mean, huh? I'm just saying, this is our natural tendency. But Luke 15, 20, this is what is so mind-blowing about the Lord. He is so other than us. It says, so he, runaway boy, he returned home to his father. And now get this. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Do you hear that? The father was waiting. He's waiting. And he's waiting for you. Even if you're a long way off, he's waiting. You know, the Bible says it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. It's God's kindness that gets us out of that pigsty. It's the goodness of the Lord. It's not his wrath and his anger and his disappointment in you and his disgust with your sin. That is not how he is. He's standing there waiting. He's going, oh, I want to I deliver my boy. I know he's bound by these things. And I wish he'd come to me. I would set him free. While he was a long way off, the father saw him. That means that the father was sitting there waiting for him. That means the father was anticipating him coming back. He wasn't sitting in the house grumbling about what a loser his son was. He was like, I'm waiting. While he was a long way off, his father saw him coming, and he was filled with love and compassion, and he ran to his son. This was considered one of the most undignified things that a man in his position can do. Lift it up his robe and just start sprinting towards his boy, filled with love and compassion. He wasn't filled with resentment or anger or disappointment or judgment. He was filled with love and compassion. And he ran to his son and he embraced him. wants to do that for us. He wants to do that for you. He's saying, please get out of your pigsty. Come back home. I want to embrace you. And it says, he kissed him. It's his boy. He's been waiting. He's been standing there waiting. When is my boy coming back? And he ran to him and he goes, That's, my boy. That's what he wants to do for us. He's saying, you're putting your hope in all these things that are never going to fulfill you. You're going to starve to death. He's going, come home, come home. And the boy's like, he starts in with his speech that he's probably been rehearsing. He's like, yeah, dad, you know, I know I've sinned against heaven and against you. And I know I'm not, I'm not worthy to be called your son anymore. And, and, and I'm just thinking maybe, and the dad doesn't even let him. The dad's like, no, gives him a hug, gives him a kiss. He's kissing his boy. He's loving his son. He's forgiving his son right there. He is forgiving him and he's setting him free from all the things of his past. 
His dad doesn't even know, but our heavenly father does, and he does the same thing. He runs to us. He embraces us, and he kisses us, and he pours out his love on us. Ephesians 3.13 says, but, but now you've been united with Christ Jesus once, however, you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. This is saying we have all been separated. Sin has separated us from God. For some of us, sin is still separating us from God. And I want to ask you this. For those of you who actually know the Lord, you, you, you are born again, you have been forgiven, you've accepted Christ, and you're not hearing his voice. For whatever reason, you just can't, you just can't seem to connect. I just want to ask you, what is the last thing you absolutely know that the Holy Spirit told you? What's the last thing he asked you to do? And now have you done it? Because if you haven't, he's probably not going to speak something else to you until you've obeyed the thing that he's called you to do, whether it's giving something up or reaching out to someone that you have bitterness against or whatever it is. He's probably not going to speak a new thing until you've obeyed the last thing. That one was for free. <clears throat> Luke 15, 22. This is classic God. Father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house. Put it on my son. Get him a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. These things are all symbolic. Now, I want you to imagine, this is a kid who ran away, squandered all, all of his wealth, was living with pigs. Pigs are gross. Pigs are filthy. He probably came home smelling of pig. And his dad embraced him. And he's like, you know what? Let's put a robe on him. That robe symbolizes an authority that symbolizes a belonging. It's an identity. He's changing his identity, bringing the robe. The signet ring symbolizes a belonging. It symbolizes that he was part of this family, part of this clan. And instead of rejecting his son and making him pay a penance, he's, he's like, putting on the Ritz. I mean, he is going for it. And he says here, kill the fatted calf or kill the fat, the calf that we have been fattening. This means that the father has been planning for his boy to come home. He has been planning for this party. He set that one calf aside and said, we're going to let that one get nice and fat. So when we roast that guy up, it is going to be delicious. The dad planned for it. And it says, we must celebrate with a feast. This is what Jesus is saying to you right now. He's saying, I know you're afraid to leave your pigsty. I know that you're eating those pods that, that have been fed to the pigs. But I'm telling you, I have a feast for you. I actually have a veritable feast. Feast always means celebration and abundance and belonging 
And, and he's saying to us, he goes, I even want to prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. No matter what's going on around you, I want to have a feast. I want to have a big old party for you. Abundant, lavish, celebrating. I want to kill that fat little calf. I want to just have some juicy prime rib. And I want to have some mashed potatoes. And what other things do you guys like? <laughs> I'm thinking Brussels sprouts. <laughs> um, kill that. No, I hear a no. Kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. Now get this. This son of mine was dead. And he's now returned to life. This is what Jesus is saying to us. This is the spirit of the living God. He's saying, I want to give you life. You're filling your belly with stuff that doesn't sustain you. You're filling yourself with the things of this world that are just so temporary. He's going, I want to give you eternal things. I want to give you things that last. I want to give you joy. I want to give you peace. I want to give you forgiveness, freedom from shame. I want to give you all of this. I've got this whole banquet table as far as you can see. When I was in college, um, I toured with a choir and we went to Norway and we were the first group that, that got to go into this castle of the king and queen of Norway. And here we were a bunch of starving college students, and they literally had, sorry, they had a, a table that was like from here to the end of the stage, full, completely full of food, like, like Atlantic salmon, or not Atlantic, um, but the salmon and just like, just delicacies. And here we are, a bunch of college students, you know, starving, eating top ramen and popcorn, you know, and we go to this feast. And I'm thinking, you know what? The feast that the Lord is preparing for us is going to make that feast pale in comparison. God wants to blow you away, and he's just saying, just come to your senses. Come to the end of yourself. Just recognize I've got so much more for you. This is all he's saying to us. He's saying, my son was dead, and now he has returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And get this. So the party began. Amen? Let's party. Right? This is what God wants to do. He wants to have a party with you. I I know there's that fear because I think religion has instilled this in us that if we want to have a party with Jesus, we're going to have to pay this big price first and we're going to have to do all these good works and we're going to have to do all these things. He's like, nope, uh-uh. I'm going to cover up your stench with this beautiful robe. I'm going to give you a ring symbolizing you belong to me. I'm going to give you new sandals because... Whatever our feet, that always symbolizes where we've walked. It symbolizes our past and where we've been. And Jesus is saying, I want to give you new sandals so you can, have, you can walk in a new way. He's saying, but you got to get out of that pigsty. Whatever you think you're going to find there, you're not going to find it there. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God's eternal life 
through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ wants to give you life and more abundantly. And he's just saying, just come to your senses, come back, come back home. So I want to ask you, what's your pigsty? Think about it. What is your pigsty? Uh, you know, I was thinking about the, the seven deadly sins. You know, you've heard of the seven deadly sins. This is like, I think, a Catholic thing or something. But you think about it. These things can be our pigsties too. The first one is pride. And I really sincerely believe all other sins come from pride because I think pride is saying, I don't need God. I mean, pride leads to insecurity. It leads to all these other things. But there's pride, greed. Is that your pigsty? Lust. That's a lot of people's pigsty. Envy. You're jealous somebody else, what they have. You're jealous of what they, how they're living or their relationship or what you think their relationship is. Gluttony. I won't ask. Wrath, which is rage. Having anger. You know, that's put in the same category as murder. Did you know that in the Bible? Sloth. You guys have seen a sloth, right? Laziness. You're just plain old lazy. You got the, the Netflix numb. Next episode. Right? When you should be doing things that are productive. And I found it interesting. So these are the seven deadly sins. But the one thing that I think is the main sin, the main thing that keeps people from freedom is bitterness. And that's not even listed. But bitterness is something that keeps most people from freedom in Christ. Offense. People are so easily offended, right? Now you're offended that I said that to you. But there's this book called The Bait of Satan by John Bevere, and it talks about offense and how offense holds us back. But Jesus says, in the same way you are forgiven, that's how you should forgive. So Jesus said, okay, I'm going to forgive you for everything you've ever done, past, present, and future, okay, 100%, and yet we are like, well, she didn't say hi to me. Or they didn't like my post. Or they made a rude comment. We're so easily offended. Or maybe it is something serious. Maybe it is a serious violation. Maybe someone robbed you of your innocence. Or you were raped. Or violated. But we're still called to forgive. Not for the sake of the other person necessarily, but so that we can walk in freedom, so we can come to that banquet table and feast with the Lord. So I ask you again, what is your pigsty today? What is it that the Lord's saying, come to the end of yourself. I want to I, I lavish my love on you. I want to kiss you and, and hug you and give you nice things. And I'm not talking about material things. I'm talking about spiritual things. He wants to give you peace and joy and love and gentleness and kindness and self-control and the, all the fruit of the Spirit. He wants to totally blow you away. So what is it? Can we say no to some things today? 
and say yes to the banquet, say yes to the party? Can we RSVP yes? Jesus, I want to go to that party. Amen? Can you stand while we pray? Father, thank you that you, Lord, you give us this story, which is the perfect picture of grace, Lord, that we have all, every one of us has sinned. Every one of us has fallen short of perfection. We've fallen short of your glory. And Lord, we thank you so much, Lord, that that as we recognize whatever our our pigsty is, Lord, that you want to deliver us. You want to bring us back. You want to have a massive party. Lord, you want to celebrate with us, Lord. Even in the midst of everything we're experiencing, Lord, you have a banquet prepared. And Lord God, in the name of Jesus, we just come before you and we just confess that thing or those things that are just robbing us those things that are not fulfilling us, the things that are not filling up our bellies, Lord, the things that are not nourishing us, the things that are, that are causing us to starve to death. Can you just confess it to the Lord? Lord, I just confess to you, my pigsty, Lord. God, I need you. I cannot save myself, Lord. I can't set myself free, Lord. But I just, I confess to you my own tendencies, Lord, my own weaknesses. I need you, Lord, to come in. And God, I want to run to you too. Lord, we want to run to you. We want to be covered by you, Lord. We want to be reconciled and reunited with you. And we want to have that party. Lord, and so right now we renounce those shameful ways. Lord, we renounce those things that are destroying us and saying yes to you. Lord, we are, we are surrendering to you. Can you just lift your hands up as a sign of just surrender? Lord, we surrender to you, God, because we know you are good. Lord, we know that everything you do, you do well. Lord, everything you do for us, you do for our good. You are so gracious. You're so kind, Lord. We thank you that your kindness leads us to repentance. We praise you, Lord, and thank you for who you are. And we thank you for that party. And Lord, we do RSVP, yes, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I love you guys. Next week, Ule is going to talk about repentance and acceptance. And then in two weeks, we're going to continue with this story, but we're going to talk about the big bro. We're going to talk about the brother. So God bless you guys. If you have never said yes to Jesus, you've never come to Christ, please come and talk to me. I would love to pray with you or talk to the person who brought you. We'll see you next week. God bless you all. Thank you.